Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again today. And today we're going to try to conclude the series we've been doing on the book of Hebrews. This is uh, months and months of really digging into, I believe, the depth of the book of Hebrews. It's almost been one of the most exhaustive pieces of work I've done on the book of Hebrews, and I trust you've been blessed by it. If you'd like to go back and view anything that we've aired to date, the best thing to do is go to our website at lenhouse.com. There's a direct link there from our website to our YouTube channel where you can watch on demand anything we have aired to date, and this particular uh, would be uh, the Hebrews playlist. Uh, I trust you've been blessed by it. You could also, from that very same site, you can go to uh, our iTunes, to our podcast. There's a link right there that has a little icon about iTunes. You can go there and watch or listen, I'm sorry, listen to our podcast. You can actually sign up for our podcast there. You can sign up for our YouTubes uh, uh, and be a subscriber. And every time we upload something, you get an email about there's a new uh, product there or there's a new uh, new uh, uh, segment there. There's also a place that is a direct link from the website to an RSS feed for your Android device. So you can get this in a whole lot of ways. We will make also this whole available series available through at least a jump drive where you can get the audio portions of this uh, once we finish it. And so uh, I trust you've been blessed by it. Uh, You know, again, the whole book of Hebrews is a book written to Hebrews in the first century. They are crossing over out of the Old Covenant into the New Covenant. Everything about this book points to Jesus, who is a better priesthood. He's got better blood. He's better than Moses. He's better than Joshua. He's better than Levi. He's better than the old tabernacle. There's a better Jerusalem. There's better faith. There's better promises. There's a better lamb. There's better everything. Better, everything about it is pointing to what's better about the new covenant than the old covenant. He warns in the middle of the book in Hebrews 6 and in Hebrews 10 about not going back and sinning willfully and going back to Judaism. We've already talked about what it means to sin willfully is not you did something bad last night. It's going back to an old covenant and losing your birthright. We covered that pretty good in the last couple of segments. We're going to go to chapter 13 and try to bring this to some kind of conclusion, hopefully today. It says, let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers for their by have entertained angels unaware. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation, which literally means your lifestyle, be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, uh, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Again, that's their lifestyle. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established 
with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. In other words, he's saying, uh, don't be carried away with diverse strange doctrines, because the whole book of Hebrews is basically comes down to this in a nutshell, is so that your heart can be established in grace, not with meats, which have not profited them. In other words, he's saying, don't get carried away and all the mixture of this law. Matter of fact, one of the things that, um, you know, Paul says, you know, if anybody uh, comes preaching another gospel, which is not a gospel. In other words, he was talking about, you know, the mixture of law and grace. Matter of fact, when he says, beware of dogs, beware of the concision, he was talking about, you know, uh, the mixture that was being brought into those who are wanting to make this Jesus plus. Yeah. You know, our our, 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 our rituals, and Jesus plus our meat offerings and our drink offerings. When He says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, it's righteousness, peace, and joy, the contrast there is not, He's not talking about pie and turkey and sandwiches. Mm -hmm. He's talking about the kingdom is not meat offerings and drink offerings, yep. and divers washings. The kingdom of God's righteousness, peace, and joy located in the Holy Ghost. When Jesus was demanded of the scribes and Pharisees when the kingdom would come, He said the kingdom does not come with observation. Another translation says it does not come with your careful observances. In other words, the kingdom is not coming through the observances of old covenant rituals. In the early days of preaching the kingdom, the guys I cut my teach on, teeth on, you know, preached the gospel of the kingdom, but they preached that you accessed it through old covenant righteousness. But the reality of it is, is nobody ever met the criteria, so the kingdom is always somewhere out in the future somewhere. But see, the kingdom does not come through observation. The yep. kingdom is within you. And that's what he's saying here. Don't be carried about with all this mixture. Don't be carried about with all these strange doctrines, you know. Be, let your heart be established in grace, not in the meats and drinks and uh, all of this other stuff. He says, for we have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. He's talking about a whole different, better altar here. Mm -hmm. He said, for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. But he points to a better altar here. Wherefore Jesus also, that He might sanctify the people with His own blood, suffered without the gate outside the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto Him without the camp, bearing His reproach. For we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Now let me say this in the context of what we've already shared. He's saying to them, he's saying to them under the Old Covenant, here we don't have a continuing city. And I already showed you how that, you know, Hebrews 11, Abraham was looking for a city. Yeah. But Hebrews 12 says that the New Covenant is the city of God. So he's saying to them, here under this old covenant, we don't have a continuing city. But we seek one to come. But that one to come was the one that was on the heels of that one being destroyed in AD 70. Old Jerusalem was destroyed and new Jerusalem came on the scene. The moment the harlot is judged in Revelation, the moment Babylon, which is old covenant, adulterous, uh, apostate Israel, the moment she's judged, he says, Hallelujah, chapter, uh, latter part of Revelation. He says, Hallelujah, now has come salvation and the marriage of the Lamb, for the bride has made herself ready. So one city passes and another city comes on the scene. An old Jerusalem fades and a new Jerusalem comes on the scene. So we don't have a continuing city in this old altar, this old system, this old blood sacrifice. But we seek one to come because what Jesus did outside the city really brought, you know, a, uh, a continuing 
city to us. And, you know, I was thinking uh, about, you know, I was thinking about even, uh, uh, I was thinking about when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. It'll take me a little while to set this up, but let me. He said to them, when they came out in the wilderness, he said, and it shall come to pass, and you heard me preach this before, but he said, and it shall come to pass when thou shalt ease thyself abroad, that you'll go outside the camp, dig a hole, and cover that which cometh of thee. And he said, Thou shalt have a paddle upon thy weapon, which was issued to every Hebrew on the wilderness journey. It was like a stake, a nail, or something to dig with. Everybody had, uh, 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 you know, had, had as it were, a, uh, you know, thou shalt have a paddle upon thy weapon. It was a digging device. Yeah. And this is important. God put it in the Scripture, but it's important. If you've got three to six million people, leaving Egypt, going on a three uh, on a forty-year camping trip, you're going to have to get these three million people somewhere to go to the bathroom in. Yep. And so God had to give Moses instruction on what to do, because He knows these people aren't going to figure out what to do themselves. He said, "You tell them." And I love King James wording; it's so poetic. He says, "And it shall come to pass that when thou shalt ease thyself abroad." Said another way, when you got to go. You got to go. He said, but here's what you need to do. Go outside the camp, dig a hole, and cover that which cometh of thee, so that when the Lord your God will move in the midst of thee, there'll be no uncleanness. I can see God almost saying, I want to go move down there among them, but there's so much stink in the game. There's so much dung. Paul, Paul calls that dung in, in Philippians chapter 2. He says, I, uh, you know, he said, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. I'm getting way ahead of myself here. He said, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As touching the law, I was blameless. He said, but I count all that as dung. Yep. Dung. That I might win Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. So what Paul was talking about was not only getting rid of physical crap. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. You know. He's talking about getting rid of religious stink. Yep. And he's talking about getting rid of the stink in your life, all the byproducts of your flesh. And, and, you know, interestingly enough, that when God told them to do that, He said, so that when I come, there's no uncleanness among you. So the mixture that we bring sometimes of religion yep. is a stink. But He says, go outside the camp and dig a hole and cover that which is coming through thee. But watch this. Nehemiah, when he went into the city to see the condition of the city, he said, I came to the city, and there was no man with me except the beast that I rode in on. And he said, the first gate I came to, or he said, I came to the dragon well. Well, the dragon well was where the myth says that the head of a dragon was cut off. So he's about to restore the city. And he says, the first thing we're going to have to establish is the head of a dragon's already been cut off. In other words, Jesus has defeated principalities and powers. If we're going to build this new city, we're going to have to realize the devil's defeated, and Jesus is Lord, and the head of a dragon's already been cut off. But the second thing he comes to is what I'm after. He came to the drag, or he came to the dung port. It was outhouse row. And he said, the second thing we're going to have to do to see restoration is we're going to have to figure out how to get rid of the stink. And he said, and so when he, when he came to that place, he said, then there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. In other words, when you find out that Jesus destroyed in his death, burial, and resurrection, cut the head of a serpent off, but he also got rid of the byproducts of your flesh and the stink of religion that Paul called dung, 
what I want you to see is that if you put a map over ancient Israel, the dung port and the dung gate was right where Jesus was crucified. And Jesus, watch this, was crucified outside the city, outside the gate. It was outside the gate that Jesus took all of our religious stink, took all the byproducts of our flesh, took our adversary the devil, and nailed him to a cross, and then dug a hole and buried everything of our stink. Now what's really interesting is that that word paddle upon thy weapon is translated as nail in other places. And Jesus did all of that, my, 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 <laughs> with one nail. He nailed it to the cross. And what He's admonishing these Jews to do, these Hebrews, is leave this system. Yeah. Go outside the city, bear His reproach, and identify with the work of the cross, because He's going to get rid of all the byproducts of your flesh and your stink is going to go. And what you're going to do is you're going to begin to follow after peace. And you're going to begin to follow Him. And He's really admonishing them. Go out. It's time to get rid of the stuff. I tell you, man, this has been a good segment. Because it's time for us to get rid of the religious crap. Yep. Not only the religious crap, but all the byproducts of our flesh, and go outside the city and identify with what he's done. I'll let you talk a little while because I don't want to take up the whole program. Go ahead. He was doing fine. I enjoy it. <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, when you talk about getting, it's, it's amazing how much uh, inundation we have with religion. Mm -hmm. You know, and how much it really has, we have allowed it to re infiltrate our, really what's supposed to be our kingdom walk. You know, we've 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 uh, we've traded our freedom for the slavery almost of of you know a religion telling us this is how you behave, this is how you act, this is what you're supposed to do when you come to church, rather than living out of a freedom. You know, and I think a lot of times the the real fear of people, or let me say the fear of ministry, is that if you allow people uh, to really be free, you allow them to live out of that. You know, will there be a church left? You know, because people start finding the freedom. They start going on vacations, or they decide they don't want to be there. Or they stop giving their finances. They stop, you know, doing the things that have that we've made them do over the years. But see, that's what happens in the beginning of freedom. You you want to test to see if that freedom is real, you know. But when you allow the kingdom to really begin to operate in people, it, it there's something that draws you back because you look for, you're like, here's the thing, if we are connected to the faith of Christ. In the connection of the faith of Christ, there's a man named Abraham who looked for a city, city whose builder and maker is God. If your heart is connected to a faith, that, that, that same kind of heart is in you too. You, could, you, you might test the realms, in other words, you may test the realms of freedom. Maybe go and walk away from the church for a little while because you go, well, you know, what's, what's the point? We don't have to be here anymore. You know, we are the church, you know, that's the yeah, whole arguments yeah. and stuff. But there becomes something in your heart that goes, yeah, but I want to seek a community of faith. Or I want to see, you know, here's the thing. Uh, we tell our people, too, you know, we're really not a church in the sense of here's what we do. But we really are a family. It's a family connection. Yeah. You know, we realize that we are connected as a family so that, you know, when he says here, you, you're bearing one another's burdens. We look at what's happening, you know, when we, when we talk in our church and we, we hear when somebody's going through something, we bear that burden. Our, our hearts break for one another. Yeah. And we start looking for, well, well, how can I how can I help this situation? How can I be 
you know, a help here? What can I do? Or even if it's just being a shoulder to cry on or, or a compassionate heart, you know, you start looking at the things that each one is going on. I've watched over the years our church who have, we went, our church for all intents and purposes has been a religion rehab center. Mm-hmm. People that were really hurt by religion and things and didn't want nothing to do with it and wasn't going to go back to that kind of system have found their way to us. And I've watched them over the years. They've come in and try to, you know, almost like they don't want to be connected, you know, they're afraid of that connection because they saw the false connections where they thought there was relationship and the moment there was a disconnect, they were outcast. And so they didn't want, you know, they've been hindered or, or afraid to have those real connections again. But I've watched over the years those ones that have stood on the corner and didn't really want to have any kind of real relationship because they just didn't want to get hurt anymore. All of a sudden they started seeing something real and they started being connected to people and found out people really connected to them and that what they were going through wasn't just, uh, you know, something that we, well, I just need prayer, but it was something they felt like, hey, just as much as you're going through this, I'm going through this too. And they started getting connected in faith and they started getting connected in there. That's that's the things that we are finding. But it's what it's taking is, is taking, uh, getting rid of that religious uh, idea, you yep, know what yep. we had to do in order to do that is we had to kind of, I mean we had to go completely different than what religion did. You know, we had to start talking about TV shows, you know, and let people have conversations about TV shows and we would sit around tables and 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 instead of just standing up at a pulpit preaching, we made tables and we let I let people have conversations that didn't seem to be connected to the word of God. But in doing that what I watched is real connection and real relationships, real family start to be uh, created. Mm-hmm. And then when you brought the word into that then, and then I did begin to teach, all of a sudden they were getting a hold of something and, and the word became important to them too. They started getting hungry for what you were saying. They were, you know, whereas you go into most places and if the service is any longer than 30 minutes, you know, and it's any different than what we're used to, they don't want to be a part of that. Our people have come in into a culture that is not a religious culture. It's really just a family that we're creating mm-hmm. here, and getting we're allowing the we're allowing the the religious junk and dung to be removed out of people's yep. life. And we're taking that and we're burying that outside the city. And what we're watching is people are really all of a sudden. Let me say it like this: the kingdom is operating without us having to try to tell people how that works. It's, it's just organic. It's becoming organic. It's working. Uh, I mean, we don't, uh, you know, we had a guy in our church, he just came and he was like, you know, I, I just want to make, I want to make breakfast next Sunday for everyone. And, you know, we were, ha- and it just so happened, we were having a special speaker and we was actually having you in. <laughs> and, uh, it, but, but it, it was in his heart to do it. He, yeah. You know, he's like, I love to cook. And he says, I just thought, you know, I just want to cook. Maybe for my you want to change churches. Yeah, I just want to cook for my family. You know, so he yeah. bring, and I said, well, you know, that's what you want. You know, that's what you want to do. You know, that's you know, that's fine. You can do that. And so, I mean, he, he shows up the next Sunday. He's got a big pot of biscuits and gravy. Got the plates, the the forks, and all the things that were needed. And I didn't have to do any of that. Yeah. And I didn't ask him to do it. It yeah. wasn't like I was like, hey, here's a, we're on a special speaker. Can somebody bring food next week? it became something that was in their heart to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's been that way with a, a lot of the things. Uh, pastor's appreciation. I've never brought up anything about pastor's appreciation in our church mm-hmm. because I know people have been abused by that kind of thing of this is what we're doing. So I've never, I've never brought it up. I've never asked, uh, said anything about it, never required it. A couple years ago, one of the ladies in our church began to realize that uh, 
hey, you know what, they're doing something for the pastor down the road because it's pastor's appreciation. And so they surprised me with a dinner and, and, and took up an offering to bless me. And not without me, I, I didn't have to, you know, you go to a lot of churches and I have to bring it up. Here's this pastor's appreciation. We want to do something for our pastor. I never asked for anything. It became something that was in their heart. So the, the kingdom of God begins to operate uh, organically when we remove yep. all, this, all this religious junk and we allow people to live out of the nature of Christ that's in them. All of a sudden, I think our churches, here's the thing, if you're afraid to preach this, the moment you do, it's going to cause some shakeups. Yeah. It's going to cause, it's going to, and it's going to be scary. It's going to it's restructure going to be, everything. It's going to be scary. It's going to be a road you've not traveled before. You're really going to have to walk by faith to do it. It's going to restructure some stuff. You're going to have people you didn't think would come, come. Yeah. You know, there's going to be things show up in your church that you're, it's going to be new ground that you're going to have to try to figure out how do we navigate this. You're going to lose people you thought were really connected to you, but only were connected to you through the religion yeah. side of it. Because it was what they thought, this is what I want, this is how it should be. And now they've demanded it, and now it's not like that, and they're going to leave. And But what happens is when you come through that, it's going to be easy. You yeah. know, I hear people say, man, if I could do anything else that, other than be a pastor, I would. I'm telling you what, I love being a pastor. It's easy. You know, I'm not, I'm not chasing people. I'm not, you know, I'm not having to fight all the stuff. I'm just simply preaching the gospel and loving on people, and it's getting easy. Yeah. I'm finding that the people, without having to ask people to get on board and help me do stuff, they're doing it because they want to be connected to something. Yep. I'm just throwing it out there and saying, hey, does anybody have it in their heart to do this? What I'm finding is somebody has it on their heart to do something. Yep. They want to be a part of it. They want to, their, their passion, and it's not by demand. It's because it, and they're doing it with excellence. Yeah. Because it's and not by demand. They're doing it because they really want to do this, and it's their passion to do. When you come through it, you'll have the church. You always thought, man, that's a, if I could have a church like that, that's what I'd want. Yep. And that's yeah. really what you know Paul was saying here, or whoever it is that wrote mm -hmm. in Hebrews. He's saying, you know what. Uh, uh, he said, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. He's really talking about life beyond this old covenant. Yeah. And he said, you know, uh, by, by Him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Now that may be simple to us, but he's talking about what happens when you don't have to bring a a bull or a goat anymore. Yep. He's talking about bring the sacrifice of praise, uh, continuing the fruit of your lips. He's talking about what's going to happen beyond this old covenant is you're going to do good and communicate and forget not, uh, you know, those that with whom you're with for such sacrifices God is well pleased. He's telling them, obey yep. them that have the rule over you. Verse 17, submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy, not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. He's talking about exactly what you're saying. I'm doing it because I enjoy it. Yep. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. This is what we're going to do beyond yep. the old covenant. In the new covenant, we're going to act like this. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you sooner. Now, the God of peace the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I beseech you, brethren, su suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in few words. Know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty. He just got out of jail, in other words. Yep. He's out of prison. With whom, if he come shortly, I will see you. Salute all them that have the rule over you, and all the saints 
they of Italy salute you. Grace be with you all. Amen. He's talking about what happens beyond this old covenant. Is we have an altar that's different than the altar of the old covenant. We have an altar where they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. This is a different altar. It's the blood of Jesus that we've come to. We're not talking about blood of bulls and goats. I mean, you know, to us this is simple. Yeah. But this really was his concluding remarks to them, because this stuff's about to collapse. Yep. It was revolutionary. I mean, it was revolutionary. (laughs) And it was really, even, I mean, they were, everything they connected to, you know, I mean, in other words, even to get forgiveness of sin, if you don't have a sacrificial system, I don't know what people think who are connected to that work system, because in order to have forgiveness, if you're going to follow that system, you've got to have a sacrificial system. And so, you know, I mean, you know, uh, there's nothing to go back to. There's a different kind of an altar here. Uh, and he said, you know, he's talking about, you know, those bodies. We used to burn the bodies of those beasts, but now we have to go outside the camp where Jesus was actually become our sacrifice. And he's yeah. telling them, you know, uh, what really is identified as being beyond this old covenant. We go forth outside the camp, bearing his reproach. We don't go to that altar. We offer now sacrifices to God that are different. It's the fruit of our lips and the giving of thanks and the praise and worship to His name. That's why we still worship God in our services, is the fruit of our lips, but not just in our services. Yeah. But we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, Romans 12 says, uh, which is our reasonable service, you know, and uh, communicate to them and forget not, but, but to do good to, and to communicate and forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. When we do acts of service even to one another, not just to our pastors, but to one another, as part of what replaced that sacrificial yeah. service of bulls and goats, you know. And, you know, he goes on and says, you know, there's a certain way to do this and respect in your leaders and your elders and people that have a rule over you. But, you know, uh, he's, you know, he's talking about now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect, make you complete, and every good work to do His will working in you, that which is well-pleasing in His sight. It is God who now works in us, both the will and the do of His own good pleasure. But there are still some things that flow that are still good works. Like you said a while ago, people that want to do, who serve because they want to. They give because they want to. When you get away from this system of force, and it gets in people's hearts to give, when it gets in people's hearts to come to the house of God, when it comes to people's hearts to serve, when it comes to people's hearts to honor and love one another, what happens is, man, you are going to be blessed with something far greater than this whole dominating thing where you've got to force people yeah. to do this stuff all the time. But he finally says, you know, uh, and the final salutation to them is, first of all, Timothy just got out of jail, and they're glad about that. But he said, salute all them that have the rule over you and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. And this book ends, this great book of Hebrews ends how I want to end it by saying, grace be with you all. And then he ends it with an amen, which means so be it. That's what this book is about, is grace be with you all. Amen. In Christ, all of God's promises are yes, and somebody 
has to say amen. I hope you can say amen by this time. We're about to run out of time. Thank you for joining us for this great segment on Hebrews. If you'd like to sow into our ministry or give to support this, go to my website. There's a place you can give via credit card or debit card. You can even sign up to be a partner where you give a monthly debit there and you can set up the amount and you can cancel that at any time you want to. Or you can give by giving to the uh, address on the screen or calling the number that's on that screen. Thank you for joining us in this great study as we conclude the book of Hebrews. God bless you. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.